friends, this is Morgan Snyder, and welcome back to the Become Good Soil podcast. I'm in the studio with Jonathan David Helser and the third of a three-part series where Jonathan and I got to pause and walk through some amazing pieces of his story and hear some of the stories behind what God has spoken to the church in this generation through his worship that he's created and brought to the world faithfully over the last few decades. I am particularly excited about where we're going next. These parts of Jonathan's story that we cover in this last part of our conversation and the three songs that are featured in this podcast episode have been deeply and supernaturally impactful in my life over the last years. And it's really fun to pull back the curtain and on your behalf, just host the space for Jonathan to give you the backstory, to give you the inside scoop on what God was up to, of how he was working to prepare his heart to produce this music with Melissa. So let's dive into the third part of a three-part series with Jonathan David Helser. And if you haven't listened to the first two episodes in the series, I strongly recommend that you go back to those. In the meantime, if anything particularly strikes you in this series and you want to find more about the Helsers, you can go to jonathandavidhelser.com. Or if you're intrigued about the school, the 18-inch journey, and what God's doing through them, you can find out more. It's really exciting. It's at 18inchjourney.com. Jonathan, we're talking a lot about the messy. And as you mentioned, there's so much of this question in us as men about the man that we are becoming and who is that man and how do we stay on that narrow road? I'd love to just pull back the veil a little bit with our friends by way of us being like-hearted kings and peers and all of this and ask you the question, like, what is frontier for you in the masculine journey? What What's kind of the edge of where God's moving and shaping you and, and kind of some of the deep waters, if you don't mind me taking a risk to go there? Yeah. I felt so initiated in the last few years of the father saying, son, let's aggressively go after passivity and let's eradicate it from your bloodline. Let's eradicate it from your heart. And even taking me like all the way back to that moment where Adam watches a serpent lie to his wife. And he, he doesn't just eat the apple. He gives up his voice in that moment. And becoming a man of, uh, of like, I want to be a man that when a serpent starts talking to my wife like that, I say, get out of my house, get out of my garden. And I pick up my sword and begin to fight. But it's been a beautifully messy journey because we're formed in the process, you know. And in these last few years, I've seen the father engineer these circumstances to expose some of the core beliefs that have fed uh, some of the lies in my heart that have, that have become the giants that have silenced me, uh, the giants of passivity that have silenced part of my heart, just like Goliath silenced a, a whole army with his fear. And, and so it's been this journey of aggressively going after passivity. And one of the big I am statements that I realized 
that is embedded in my heart that the Father's been going after is this statement that I am a fraud and I don't have what it takes. But the way he's been getting to this fear and unearthing it and unrooting it and pulling it out of my heart is leading me into the heart of storms. And what I, what I mean by that is, you know, those dreams you would have of you show up at your high school and you don't have your pants on yes. or, or you show up. I, the ones I have as a worship leader is I, I show up to lead worship and I look down and there's no strings on my guitar oh my or, or, or I look behind me and the musicians don't know any of the music we're about to play. And I'm about to be humiliated in front of, you know, hundreds of people. And I've had these moments in the last three or four years. And it, it's, it's an incredible ways writing our story where I show up in these moments and I go, this is my nightmare happening right in front of me. <laughs> mm. But at the same time, I know he's with me. Now you're uh, saying literally in a, in a dream or literally in life of him in, humiliating in, you? In, in, in life. Wow. Like I show up at these moments uh, where they feel like, oh, this is going to be a great opportunity. Um, and some of them are as funny as we were playing at this uh, concert venue with you know three or 4,000 people. And I'm going to do this song. It's just me and the piano. And I go out there and I sit down on the piano. And the sound man has not plugged in the sustain pedal. And that's like you showing up to do archery and there's no string on your bow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. And you don't know this when you're ready to start no, the song. I don't, I've already started the song. Oh I'm like playing ABBA. And, I, and, and all of a sudden, and I, and I think in that moment, oh, my gosh, this is my worst nightmare happening in front of like 4,000 people. Because you can't really cover it up. You yes. Yes. And I felt so initiated by the Father in, in, the, in my heart as a man. And, and this is kind of what the processes look like. And it's me and, me and Melissa just laugh at these moments now because we, we're like, he is doing something so spectacular in our hearts. Mm. Uh, and we've had three or four moments like that. I won't tell you all of them because they're just some of them are so funny and so painful at the same time. Ugh. But in those moments, I found that praying my most honest prayer to him actually gets me to my core beliefs. And in one of these moments, I, I retreated back to my room in between some things that were happening. And I prayed to the Father. I said, Father, do you dislike me this much? You would bring me into the middle of one of these storms again to kill me. Because it feels like I'm just, I, I'm being killed. And as I prayed that prayer, I instantly remembered, oh my gosh, that's exactly what the disciples said to Jesus in the storm. That's exactly what the slave said to the father when they're in the wilderness. Did you bring us all the way out here to the wilderness because there weren't enough graves in Egypt? Did you bring us out here into the storm to kill us? And what he said to me in these moments is he said, I didn't bring the disciples into the storm to kill them. I brought them into the storm to kill their fear. Wow. So they could see who I really am and discover who they really are. And in that moment when I'm sitting there at the piano, the father said, the liar, the accuser, the one who accuses my goodness would want you to think I set you up for this moment for failure. But actually, I set you up in this moment to reveal greatness in you you didn't even know was there. And so as we get to the end of kind of this awkward song, not having a sustain pedal, I just spontaneously started singing. Most of you didn't even know, but my sustain pedal wasn't working the night. <laughs> but that doesn't matter because my whole life I've been afraid of failure. And right now I'm facing one of my biggest giants and he's not going to steal my song. 
Because my father doesn't care if my sustain pedal's off or on. He came to hear my heart tonight. And we just started spontaneously going after the fear of failure uh-huh. and how, how it robs us. And it, something in that room of 3,000 people just broke off as I went into the heart of the storm and let him kill my fear. Yes. And out of the storm, I arose. Greatness arose out of me that I didn't even know was there. Uh, does that all make sense? Oh, it's so good. I, oh, there's, there's so much in that, Jonathan. And what I appreciate is, okay, I put myself in that audience and this is Jonathan David Helser. I mean, you know, he is on a pedestal. He is on the stage, right? Everyone's elevating you. And here you are being loved by your father saying, yes, yes, you're amazing. So much so that I'm actually inviting you to crucify the false self. I'm actually inviting a man in you to die so that the Jonathan David Helser that I know and I love and I'm championing can come forward. And that's just a, you're out in no man's land where if God doesn't show up, you are a fool, right? I mean, it's like the verdict is there. And instead, as you said, even though the enemy is deeply at work, God triumphs because you consented to the process of of dying. Man, Jonathan, as as you're sharing that story, there is this category. I just would love to touch on briefly that that was an example of not only the frontier in your masculine soul, but this category of the spontaneous worship. For much of my Christian life, like that just wasn't a category. Songs were very scripted, and I have the heart of a worshiper, and so I would engage with God as much as I could, but there is something that began for me with the song, You're Never Giving Up, when you recorded that. It was on YouTube. There's an amazing story behind that. And it's so anointed. And it's a particular version of that song that was completely spontaneous. And you're describing in this moment on stage with thousands of people where you took a huge risk. You go acapella and it's a spontaneous moment that actually ushered in some deeper level of manifestation of the kingdom. Like there is the kingdom magic when you and Melissa move into that spontaneous posture, tell me more. Like, what is that about? Yeah, we we say a lot in our, our community here that spontaneity is the reward of preparation. Mm. And I, I believe as, as worship leaders that God's design is for us to lead from overflow. And not just worship leaders, any place of leadership where in the ministry we're meant to lead from overflow. And so the spontaneous moments for me, they're they're really the moments I live for because it's you're you're stepping on the stage and you're you're bleeding just a little bit of what your heart has been singing to the Father all week, if say you're leading on a Sunday. Yes. And the Psalms most people don't realize the Psalms are all songs that were sung. They weren't just these written things that were spoken. They were actually these songs that were sung. And they think that many of them were spontaneous prayers that David's singing to God. It's why he put scribes in the temple, because uh, he would get in the presence and he would just begin to overflow. His heart would begin to pour out as he's encountering who God is. And then there, there were, the scribes are writing these down. Psalms like Psalm 22 like what was David seeing as he's prophesying the details of the cross that's hundreds of years away mm. and he's and he's seeing it and he's singing it and for us like these spontaneous moments of worship they come from a a, a life of overflow 
but I love how written songs, I see written songs because I love writing songs and I love the way a song can pull thousands and thousands of people together. I love just pressing my ear to the ground and going, what are the songs the church is singing right now? Good, good father. You know, like the whole church is singing that song right now. And it's bringing us together to see a part of God's face that we've missed or we've never seen before. But I think songs are like diving boards. The point of a diving board is to get you into the water. Mm. And For me, a song's like a a diving board. It just helps us all get to the edge where we can go deeper than we've ever gone before. And so that you're never giving up moment, that's like a, there's only four chords in that whole song. There's probably, you know, like the lyrics are very short. You're just singing over and over again. You're never giving up on me. But that's an endless revelation. That's, that's, you know, that, that goes on and on as we begin to see that he never gives up. No matter how far we run away, he'll come running back down our road. And the, the song that should have been like three minutes, it did turn into this 17-minute long experience as we dove off the edge of that into the, the much more of who he is. So my other favorite part of that song, I mean, it was uh, absolutely we got hijacked would be the best way. We got hijacked by heaven in the studio. It was supposed to be a three and a half minute long song. And a few minutes before we were about to record it, my friend who was producing the album said, hey, what if we got your dad in Melissa's vocal booth and he sings back over you? I'm never giving up. I'm never giving up. And just as the father in heaven is singing over us. And so if you watch the video, you can see this old man in the in the background <sighs> singing back over me. And then that absolutely wrecked my heart with the love of a father. It opened up this whole prodigal road uh, moment between a son and a father and just the way my dad's been cheering me on. And then you hear Melissa begin to sing towards the end of the video, yes. which is my, probably my favorite part oh, of the whole thing. It wrecks song. me. Melissa it wrecks song. me every time. Melissa wasn't supposed to sing. She didn't even know we were still recording. She didn't know if we had run out of tape or not. And she just starts singing because we've just gotten lost. Uh, and, and then you see her. She starts singing. She moves closer and closer and closer to the mic. <laughs> and so it, was, it would, truly was a spontaneous moment, but it was a moment of, of overflow. Uh, it's a diving board to get into the pool. There's no better way to enjoy that song than to go into it now. So I'd love to take you in to You're Never Given Up. Your love never quits, it never stops chasing my soul. Oh God, before I was even in my mother's womb. You knew me, and you loved me, even in my sin, Lord. You wouldn't stop every time I'd run away. You'd come chasing me. Papa, you won't let go of me. Papa, you won't let go of me. Even in my sin, even in my mess, when I turn and I started coming home after I'd wasted your inheritance, 
you jumped off the porch and with a ring and a rope you came running for me you came running for me stop no you just grabbed hold of my soul on that road you said my sons come home let's throw a party for him he's home he wants us dead he's alive he wants us blind he can see Stop 
never fails, it never ends. Your love never quits, never stops chasing my soul. The song No Longer Slaves that God has just done incredible things with. It's like gone around the world in ways beyond what I ever asked or imagined it would do. Was written here in the middle of the school. We do the first week of our school was called the Father Week. And we just spend the whole week uh, laying a foundation of who the Father is. And about four years ago, we're in the Father Week. And we close out the Father Week by writing out the thoughts of who he says we are. And we write out these I am statements. I am the beloved. I am chosen. I am worthy. I am holy. And I have all the students stand on their chairs and we activate it by by speaking out loud these I am statements that God has spoken over us and defined us with. And so we're in this moment, all the students are on the chairs and we're just shouting out like David on the battlefield. I am the beloved. I am a son. I am chosen. I'm a daughter. And I just sang out, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Mm. And as the students begin to wind down their I am statements, we all begin to spontaneously begin to sing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And for maybe 10, 15 minutes, we're all singing, standing on our chairs, just shouting out, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. A year goes by. I, I just, I was like, that was a really special moment. A year goes by. We're back at Father Week the next year. I haven't sung the lyric all year. We're at Father Week, and it happens again. I remember the melody. We all sing it again. Another year goes by. Third wow. year, it happens again at come Father on, Week. I'm like, on. oh, this is just kind of the song for Father Week. I, that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not thinking anything more than that. Like, this is a song for our family here at Father Week. And this is why I love having a helpmate, having a wife. At the end of that year, Melissa goes, babe. That is more than just a song for our school. You need to put lyrics around that song and write. I love Melissa. Yes. And I, I love that part of marriage is that our spouse can see greatness inside of us that we can't see yes. sometimes. Yes. Um, of course, they see our blind spots, but they also see where we're blind to the greatness God created us for. And she's like, babe, you need to write that song. And so we wrote it. And right at that time, Bethel Music approached us and said, guys, we love what you're doing in North Carolina. We love your music. Can we help you? Is there any way we can serve you? Uh, we want the world to hear your music. We have an album coming out in a couple months. Would you guys want to have a song on the album? And all you have to do is show up here and, and lead the song, and we'll take care of all the details. And for us, it was a massive gift because we're, we're caring so much with the school. And so we submitted some songs, and then Melissa goes, Babe, you need to submit No Longer Slaves. I think that's the song. I'm like, I don't know if it, I don't even know if it's a great song. <laughs> and uh, we submitted it and really just the, the rest has been history and the way the fathers used that song to liberate so many people from fear. And, uh, and I love that it just came from us doing family. And then all of a sudden out of family, God multiplied the song in ways beyond what we ever imagined. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears have 
what I so appreciate, Jonathan, in, in these stories that you became the kind of person that cultivated God's song in your heart, and then he gave you a platform to take it to the church around the world. Wow. It's so, it's just so encouraging to me. Wow. I just, I, I love hearing the backstory because there's so much incubation in my heart of things where I'm like, man, I got to publish that. I got to get that out, you know? And it's like, no, I'm going to my son's football game. That's why I'm not publishing it. And I, I'm, I'm so encouraged by you to say it, it all will be realized in time. Yeah. You know, when I listen through the Becoming Good Soil intensive, one of the things that just marked my heart so much, you talked about when we bring the questions like, tell me who I am, and we look to success to validate that, or we look to what we do with our hands to validate who we are, you know, yes. uh, the, the trap, the quicksand that that is. And, and I realized me and Melissa were talking about this recently, and we were just so thankful, like with that song specifically, the way the Lord's used it, if it would have happened 10 years ago, yes. we, our, our branches wouldn't have been ready to hold the fruit. It would have it would have broken our branches, but now that it happened, you know, just two years ago, it was like when when the success of it came, it wasn't it wasn't it was encouraging who we are, but it wasn't validating who we are. Like we already knew that, you know. Yes. So it that man that part of the the becoming good soil really went deep in me. Yeah, it's just an encouragement when guys hear those kind of stories. It just will bring both a settling and a resolve. Right, because it's like we see, we see what what's possible, but we're we're not fully convinced that those branches need to be strengthened, and the fruit will come. It will be realized in God's time, and all that just carries us into eternity. Like we are being readied for a world forever. You know, it's not just about our kingdom in this world, though it's coming, and and God is bringing portions of it, like we're being ready to steward his heart and his kingdom for eternity. And there's a lot of time for those dreams to be realized. Yes. Wow. Oh, I love it. Jonathan, the story of your first album you shared with me several years back is pretty wild. I'd love to hear some more of that while we're together today. Yeah. Well, I shared a little bit about earlier about writing my first song that was in 97 and Later that year, I got to start leading worship with my dad at summer camp. And some of these first songs I written, like they became the anthem of the summer camp. And and it was a really quick, like, I never dreamed I'd be a worship leader. And all of a sudden, within a few years, I'd written a, a huge handful of songs. And and within a couple of years, I had so many people coming to us like, hey, when are you going to record an album? When are you going to record an album? I'm like, I got to get these songs. I got to have these songs. So I started asking the Father, when, when is it time to do this? And I found this scripture in Proverbs 20, 21 that says, an inheritance quickly gained in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. And instantly when I read it, I knew that had to do, that was for me around recording music. And the father said, I have an inheritance for you in recording that's beyond what you can imagine, but will you wait on my timing? And that was probably early 2000. I read that and I said, okay. And this was just a prayer I prayed between me and the Lord. I said, so I know that it's time. The fleece I'm going to lay out is that you would give me a new guitar, a really nice guitar, that I would know that it's time to record. And I didn't tell Melissa, didn't tell anyone. It's just between me and the Lord, locked it away in my journal. And five years go by. We have so many people at this point. When are you going to record? When are you going to record? We had people ready to pay for the album. We had funds there. And uh, I knew I, I was waiting. 
And even a, one of our spiritual fathers, Graham Cook, was ready to help fund the album. And so five years later, my dad shows up at work one day and he says, son, uh, can we have a talk? Uh, and I could tell it was somewhat urgent. And, he, and we walked down to the woods where we have this little bench on our property. And he, I sat down on the bench. He goes over his car and he pulls this guitar out of the car and he walks over to me and he opens the case. He said, I had the wildest experience. I was at a music store today and the owner of the music store said, I, I just heard your son's music and he's supposed to have this guitar. I want to give it to him. And as my dad opens the case, I see this guitar that Taylor Guitars had just come out with. And Bob Taylor, who started Taylor Guitars, he grew up at a church during the Jesus movement, and he created a guitar in honor of the Jesus movement. <laughs> and he mm. called, it, called it the worship leader's guitar. And it has doves going down the headstock of the guitar. And he created it in honor of the Jesus movement because he said when he heard the sound of the Jesus movement and the music that came out of that sound, that's when he decided he wanted to make music with his life. And so my dad opens his case and hands me this guitar. It's like a $6,000 guitar. And there's doves on the headstock. From one generation to the next, he hands me this guitar. And as soon as I hold it, I go, okay, it's time. I know it's time. And it, it was like Aragorn being handed the sword yes. and said, become the man that you've been born to be. And uh, to make a long story short, that was the beginning of that first album. We decided to do it live, and our friend Graham Cook came in for the conference, and we didn't advertise him as a conference speaker. We didn't even call it a conference. We just called it a worship gathering and that we were going to happen to record an album at. And uh, it was beautiful because Graham came in, and just like Samuel had a relationship with David and how the prophet was able to speak and activate something in the sound of David's life, Graham just came in. And the last track on The Awakening, this live album that we did, is this partnership between me and Graham. And I have this moment where I'm singing about seeing my identity in the eyes of God and how the eyes of God become my mirror. And Graham had cultivated and crafted this writing about the love of God. And this is the last track on The Awakening from that first album called The Inheritance. says that there is nothing that you can do that would make him love you more. There is also nothing you can do that would make him love you less. He loves you because he loves you. 
because he loves you 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 because that is what he is like it is his nature to love and you will always be the beloved and his love is unchanging and he loves you a hundred percent. He won't love you any better when you become better. He loves you a hundred percent right now. And even if you have no plans to become better, he will still love you 100% because he loves you because that's the way that he is. And even if you don't want to change, he will love you a hundred percent. Even if you have no plans to walk with him, he will love you 100%. Because that's his nature. He loves all the way, all the time. His love is unchanging. What will change, says the Lord, is your ability to receive my love. And this evening, I want to cram some more of that ability inside you. So I challenge you, says the Lord, open your heart to me. Open your heart to me. And you will receive more of my love than you've ever experienced before. I dare you, says the Lord. Come on, open your heart to me. Give me your heart. Give me whatever your obstacle is. I'll take it. I'll remove it out of the way. Because I love you as you are right now. I love you 100% as you are right this moment. I love you as you are. So be loved. You are the beloved. It is your job, says the Lord, to be loved outrageously. It is why I chose you. That is why I set my love upon you. That you would live as one who is outrageously loved that you would receive a radical love, so radical, it'll blow all your paradigms of what you think love is. And no, says the Lord, I will love you outrageously all the days of your life. Because I don't know how to be any different. This is who I am. And this is who I will always be. This is the I am that I promised you. I am he that loves you outrageously. And you may love me back with the love that I give you. You may love me back outrageously with the outrageous love that I bestow upon you. And know this, says the Lord, you can only love me as much as you love yourself. So my love comes this evening to set you free from yourself. To set you free from how you see yourself. To set you free from the smallness of your own thinking about yourself. My love comes to set you free from rejection and from shame and from low self-esteem and from despair and from abuse. Because when I look at you, says the Lord, I see something that I love. I see someone that I can love outrageously. 
And I have so much to bestow upon you, so much to give you, so many places to take you in my heart. But you can't go there unless you allow me to love you. And my love for you will break every barrier, bring every wall crashing down. And know this, says the Lord, my love damages fear. My love hates fear. My love will fight fear. It will fight fear in you. It will fight fear around you. And if you have fear this evening, says the Lord, then know that you have a treat in store because my perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear where I am present because my love casts out fear. Beloved, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. And in my love, I want you to feel good about yourself. Jalen, this is phenomenal. This is gold. You are gold. You have made music with your life. And I want to be really transparent and just let you know how deeply you've transformed my life and particularly really helped kind of deconstruct the cynicism and the resentment that creeps in at this stage of life when 
just navigating so much. And there's just a, a temptation to resentment and cynicism. And your life and your work has constantly taken me back to the Father and his love and his affection and has been a conduit to graft me as the branch into the vine and the life of God. So I, I want to say thank you to you and to Melissa, your family, and um, thanks for joining us with this time. And I sure hope and trust that people will keep turning back to these songs and allow them, as you have said eloquently, to be the diving board to lead us all into the deeper waters. Morgan, it's been a joy to I don't really feel like I've been a part of a podcast. I just feel like I've been part of a kingdom conversation. And I am so grateful that the Lord wove our stories together. I've been so ministered to by the Becoming Good Soil Intensive. We actually had a, a whole tribe of our core team men listen through that this last winter and spring. And the, the deep challenge and the deep invitation it brought to each of our hearts as men has changed our community. And I, I'm thankful that God builds the kingdom on friendship. And I'm really thankful for our friendship, Morgan, and the ally that you've been to me and Melissa. Thank you, Jonathan. And friends, thank you for joining Jonathan and me in this series. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And I'm sure, like me, you'll want to dive deeper into the ministry that God is entrusting to Jonathan and Melissa. So you can find out more on these two websites, jonathanhelser.com for all of their worship and 18inchjourney.com to find out more about the school and all the retreats they offer. And you can look at the page associated with this podcast on becomegoodsoil.com and you can get all the direct links there. Thanks for joining us and we'll be together again soon. 